1: Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. This podcast is where I share people's incredible stories of recovery and hope and inspiration after making the switch to a whole food plant-based diet. We've had all kinds of guests on this show and I was reflecting on them in this interview. We've had... Jeanette Murray-Wakeland sharing her story about overcoming terminal breast cancer. We've had people who have overcome diabetic blindness and spent five years blind only to see again. We have had guests with lupus. We have had guests with Crohn's disease, guests with ulcerative colitis who were told that they would have to have part of their bowel removed and live with a colostomy bag for the remainder of their life. We've had so many people with arthritis, diabetes, multiple sclerosis, heart disease, fibromyalgia. We've had people with fibroids, doctors, experts in nutrition, gut health experts. We have talked about calcium a million times, protein, iron, B12, the list just, there are so many questions and answers in this podcast in all 135 episodes. And it's being created basically because I decided one day in a actually, I feel really, I always feel really embarrassed saying this, even though I don't think I should be, but I do. I was I was in a Tony Robbins, a really discounted Tony Robbins conference. And it was, wasn't even him speaking, but that's when I had this like light bulb moment that my gift to the planet was to spread hope and that I had to do that any way that I could. And that my Gift in my suffering of my multiple sclerosis and the death of my brother in my twenties, and fibromyalgia par- par- and my constipation and candida and headaches and obesity. That all of it, that the gift in it was in sharing the lessons of of those milestones in my life with anyone who might be interested, and and also to share all the other people in the world stories who have stories similar to mine that are hope stories that are tinged with so much sadness and despair and that could have easily ended a different way for every single guest on this show. We all found a really similar path in that of plant-based nutrition and, and then we found ourselves here. And, and today's guest is no different. And, and if you've been listening for a long time, you may have noticed that I am branching out to other other guests that aren't just plant-based. And last week was one, and a couple of weeks before that, we had Fleecy Malay, the poet, on the show. But this week we're back to regular programming. We are back to plant-based hope story, and we have... Plant-Based Hope Stories, and we have Bob Page on the show, and he is talking about his own 150-pound weight loss journey. So we're going to go into all of it, the starts of it, what it was like growing up, what it was like being in an obese body for Bob, his work, his life, the foods he liked to eat prior to going plant-based, the struggles, the wins, the teachings and the lessons in his in his personal in his personal journey so i hope that you enjoy bob's story and i hope that you're safe and well and loved wherever you are at this time thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast however you do and if you need some support Please call a friend, hug a dog in your house or a fur companion. Reach out to someone, even if it's a stranger online. Reach out to me online if you need to. Connect with support services or doctors or psychologists or counsellors in your area. We have Lifeline here in Australia, 131114, I think the number is to connect to we can also we also can get now in Australia a medic mental health care plan with six six highly discounted sessions to a psychologist available to anyone who might need it this is a difficult difficult time and you don't have to try and be a hero right now we are all in this together navigating something that we haven't seen for many generations. So be kind to yourself. And if you're someone like myself and Bob, who food is your addiction and your default when you're stressed and anxious, just reach out to people, find an accountability buddy, find a group for some, for some support online. Message me if you don't know where to go. I've listed a lot at the end, so wait till the end. And there's a, a lot of resources at the end of this episode. You can also check out, those same resources in the show notes for you to head to and get some real online support from people who are trying to do this plant-based lifestyle who are who are a bit ahead of you even if they're just a tiny bit ahead of you in the journey it all helps so reach out to people reach out to people in your own community perhaps that you might be able to meet up with once this is all over and we're able to go outside again and hang out with people face to face. But in this moment, the easiest way to do that is and to keep everyone safe is to do that online. So find an online group and, and connect however you can. Find some online support and love yourself and be gentle with your heart and your mind and spirit because... As I said, this is, this is just a heavy time. This is a heavy time that we need to nurture ourselves and be kind to ourselves through. I love you all. Please enjoy Bob's episode. Okay. Hello, Bob, and welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm good. A little tired. I didn't sleep much last night, but I'm, I'm pretty good overall. How about yourself?
0: Considering? Not, not horrible. It's obviously strange, weird days. I don't know if we're talking about that here, but
1: oh yeah, we can for sure. I think I think I think it's safe to mention the elephant in the room.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean we just you know we're a few weeks in on lockdown and uh, everything's kind of a little bit up in the air, but uh, we're still going about our business and I mean we're we're fairly blessed to still be getting paid and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, oh that's. I think a lot of people it's so it's so nice to hear that people are still you know employed <laughs> and i'm so grateful yeah, for all those people yeah. that are in essential services it's a really it's really uh what's the word illuminating I guess is the word to kind of notice the services that need to continue. Um, during this time when you strip everything back?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like to think that my regular full-time job is essential, but I guess working for a theme park is not that essential.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you work for a theme park?
0: I I do. I uh, work here in Orlando for Universal Orlando Resort. Oh, wow.
1: An interesting job.
0: I will have completed 29 years this September. So I've been there a little bit. Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been a great place for me. I, I love it a lot. Oh
1: wow, what do you do there?
0: We have a radio broadcast facility there that I manage. We have it's it's used mainly as a promotional tool for the theme park where they invite radio stations in as part of a promotion from literally around the world and then they will broadcast from my studios back to wherever home is. And they're just like, "Hey, we're live at Universal Orlando, and you should come here, and you know that type of thing."
1: Oh wow, that's awesome! That sounds like a really fun job to do.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a great gig. I love it a lot. I mean, clearly, I you know, go getting close to thirty years there, so
1: yeah, 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 awesome, awesome. So I guess what we're here for today is to talk about your hope story in this time where hope is hard to can be a bit hard to come by. Uh, never more a more perfect moment for sharing stories like your own. So if you would just like to start at the start.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, obviously, working in a theme park, you think you would kind of get around and move around a lot. And, and I, I didn't. And I spent a lot of time in, in like three rooms. And I, I have a problem with food. And it's always been a problem my entire life. And I I was just about to turn 50 years old and was kind of freaking out a little bit. Both my mom and dad um, had passed away at the age of 68, two years apart. Um, One heart disease, you know, with diabetes and overweight and the other overweight and cancer and just awful ways to go And, and way too young. And I was thinking that's like. 18 years away from where i was at and i was morbidly obese i weighed 320 pounds um not healthy high blood pressure adult onset diabetes high cholesterol so i went to a doctor my my personal doctor for a full physical and and she like hit me hard i i really wasn't expecting it that way but she's like If you don't change your ways, you are going to die much younger than you should. And and she's like, I'm going to help you. I'll do whatever it takes and and we'll get through this. And and realistically, it it just came down to eating less and moving more. Uh, Portion control, healthier food. I mean, that was about two years ago. Somewhere along the line, uh, the Missing Chins Run Club found me, which I know you're familiar with. Yes. And uh, those guys converted me, and now I'm uh, full plant-based and have been for a full year. Just kind of had my plant-based anniversary back in March. And uh, just doing that, and a lot of running, and just trying to be healthy. I was going to the gym before all this nonsense, but yeah, I'm the healthiest and the lightest I've been in forever
1: wow so how did you for oh, so many questions bob but how many how do? you firstly how did you find the missing chins run club
0: one of the chins in the club matt buckner found me he in his professional career also works in audio for sennheiser um, and i was introduced to him through another guy um, professionally because of my work at the, the broadcast studios for universal orlando resort And we were just chatting and talking and he's like, you look like a guy who's lost a lot of weight. And I was like, yeah, I, I, uh, I've, I've lost a little over a hundred pounds. And he's like, no, I can totally tell. And we started talking and, and at that, at that point, I, I really wasn't running quite the way I am now, but it built from there. And he's like, at first he's like, there's a whole group of guys just like you that were morbidly obese, super fat and have lost weight. And we have this like secret club and I think you'd be a great fit. Like it took me a few days to really think about it. I'm like, this is like a little cultish or something. Is this weird? I don't know, but uh, I got to know Matt really well. He's like a brother to me now. And um, the guys in that club, I mean, there's a hardcore group of guys in that club that push each other mercilessly, you know, just nonstop, which is awesome, which is what I need, what I require um, to to stay on path and on plan. So I, I have Matt Buckner to thank for the missing chins. And that group literally has changed my life. Wow.
1: So that group, so hold on, I'm pausing my thought, because there's so there's so many pieces that I said, but where did it start? Do you think your problem with food if we have to go back to the beginning like do can you think of a time where it wasn't an issue and when you're like that's when it became an issue for me?
0: It was always an issue. I was always the chubby kid i mean i, I got called Pudge in the neighborhood growing up and, and it was uh it was twofold one I was a fat kid and the other is. Uh, My favorite baseball player was nicknamed Pudge back then. So, you know, it was, you know, part of me, like I didn't feel bad about it. Like I never felt like I was being bullied the way people say bullied today ever, even though like growing up, I've definitely felt, you know, what it's like to have people look down on you because of your weight and stuff like that. But as a kid I ne- I never really felt like that. I, I think all kids back then got picked on equally. So I didn't I didn't I didn't feel so bad about it. But I really a lot just goes back to like just I mean we didn't eat healthy a- as a family.
1: What did you eat like? Just
0: a lot of fried stuff, a lot of just like way like I don't have any problem with carbs at this point in my life, but back then i think it was just way too much carbs for not enough movement um we grew i'm not italian but i grew up around a ton of italians so you know three four nights a week we're eating big pasta meals and and that's just not healthy i mean it, it, it can be healthy for sure if you do it properly in proportion and stuff like that but and it was always like clean your plate and you know for breakfast there would just be bacon and eggs and biscuits and sausage gravy and all these things and and a lot of times too i mean i was kind of like that that kid who you know come home from school my parents would be at work and i'd eat a bowl of cereal but it would be out of a giant mixing bowl and and food just kind of became like my go-to my comfort like it if I wasn't dealing with things and I still deal with that problem now today, for sure. Like if I get hit, like here recently with all this nonsense stress hits you. Yeah. I stress eating a heartbeat. I really have to force myself not to, or, or at least try to, you know, I'm just gonna eat some cucumbers, I'll eat some carrots, I'll have a banana, you know, as opposed to I'm gonna eat a half gallon of ice cream. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But that, that literally was the way I would deal with things. So yeah, food's always been a problem. I had one short time where I got really, really sick in like the eighth grade. I got like, um, I don't even, I think it was like mono or something, but I got prescribed some weird medication and I got a rash over my whole body and I lost a ton of weight and I was out of school for like three months and I went back to school. I was like the new kid, but then I, you know, and, and that lasted from like 16 to like 20. And then, and then I, I just got lazy and was no longer riding my bicycle because I had a car and, and I ballooned up like nobody's business as an adult.
1: Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, when we go from that home life and that routine, as you say, like having a bike or walking everywhere as a teenager, and then to, you're an adult now, you can cook for yourself and choose your own, make your own food choices and drive everywhere. And you're like, I'm going to eat only chips. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: In my early 20s, I moved away from home um, and I grew up in the New England area, the States and Connecticut and moved down to Florida um, kind of by myself. And then I was just on my own down here and really making poor decisions and just, you know, McDonald's and Burger King and pizza and drinking way too many beers and, you know, that kind of nonsense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you – how did how did you feel as that was going on in adulthood? Like how did it impact your quality of life in adulthood, carrying that excess weight and having that relationship with food?
0: Like – for me personally, if, if I was going to be honest, it, any fat person, like I don't care how happy you are, and I was a pretty happy guy, and I, I like to you know, make jokes and I can self-deprecate humor myself into any situation so everybody loves me and everything's going to be fine. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, deep down inside, you know it, it's bad, it doesn't feel good, you know it's not healthy. It stinks that you can't shop in regular stores. You know, you like buy a 4X shirt. and It doesn't fit right. And You know, God forbid somebody's getting married. You're going to have to dress up and look nice and be presentable. And that's going to be hard. And so, yeah, I think realistically, most fat people, they suffer inside. I don't care what they say on the outside to everybody else. Like, oh, I'm happy. I'm good being this way. Yeah, I was good that way too, but trust me, this is way better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I really really hear you and I think it's hard because when you you've, once you've lost all the weight or lost a lot of weight, you do people do think, you know, when you're talking about being obese and losing the weight like you're kind of shaming people who are overweight. But it's not that to me personally in my journey, it's just that I felt so as I was similar to you. I love making a joke. I love self-deprecating humor. And it wasn't noticeable on the outside, but summer was a nightmare. The thought of taking off all those layers was a nightmare. Having more skin showing was a nightmare. Chafe was a nightmare. Wearing shorts or skirts was a nightmare. The sweating, the every, every, how about hills, stairs, everything was harder. And so I enjoy this body where I'm not struggling like that now.
0: I was that quintessential fat, sweaty guy. Like it could be the middle of winter and I would just be sweating. So I would like to literally carry around a rag or a towel and I'm always constantly and I've lost the weight and that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Like if if I'm sweaty, it's because I'm out running.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did you get into running again? Like for the first it the first time, or were you athletic at some point in your life? What happened to get you into running?
0: I was never – I was like the kid that got picked last. Like I I love sports, but I'm just not good at them. Mm.
1: And um,
0: <laughs> we were – it was very early on in my weight loss journey, and and my doctor was like, you, you need to start moving. You need to do something. And my wife had planned a surprise uh, birthday trip. We are going to go to Ireland for two weeks. And I knew that with that happening, I was gonna be doing a ton of walking and moving around. So prior to going um, several months before I committed, I'm gonna walk at least a mile a day. Um, And really quickly I realized that 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 just wasn't gonna be enough. We went to Ireland and came back and did a ton of walking. And the day after we got back, I said, well, if I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna commit. And I was only walking in the beginning, like as fast as I possibly could, but I was only walking. Um, and I said, I'm going to commit to walking a 5K every single day. Um, and that and that's how it started. So every single day, I would get out and walk a 5K. Some days more, but always at least a 5K. Um, I walked through hurricanes. I walked when I had the flu, you know, whatever, every single day. And along the way, you're like, all right, maybe I could run three houses down the road. Maybe I could run around the corner and eventually I could run a mile. And then before you know it, I ran the entire 5K. And then when I finished, I was completely gassed and done. And uh, I was like, well, if you could run this one time, the entire time without stopping, there's no reason why you can't do that every single day. So from that point on, which was about six months into the 5k everyday thing. I've run, I ran every day and I did it for 580 days straight.
1: Fuck. Wow. That is really incredible. Uh, and what a milestone. I, I, I remember myself when I did my first 1k and I was similar to you. I started like the same as far as just doing a little bits and pieces as I was walking. And then I, would run a little bit, little bit, little bit. And then this day that I ran one, k my brother had run marathons. My brother had always been fit. He'd always been thin. He'd always, you know, been so, like, a runner. And when I ran that marathon, like, I laid on the grass out front of my house dying and panting, and I was still really overweight. And I just remember calling him up, puffing, going, like, oh, my gosh. Like, it was like I'd just done the (laughs) biggest, biggest, best thing in the whole wide world. It's just such a feat.
0: And I love the whole being on a run streak thing and I still kind of really miss it. Um, but I'm like on a whole training plan now with rest days. Cause I'm trying to learn from people who are much smarter than me about this uh, and do the proper thing. So I don't, you know, get too banged up and too injured. Cause I think anybody who runs like as much as we do, you're going to have aches and pains here and there. It's just part of the deal. So I'm trying to do the right thing. So, but we, uh, as a group, the missing chins did this, coast to coast thing in Florida, a uh, relay race where we went from one side of the state to the other, 205 miles or whatever it was in 30 something hours. And the literally the next morning after we were finished, I was like, yeah, I'm taking a day off. <laughs> I was done, done.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. So when it comes to your diet and making changes to your diet, you you kind of give us a little bit of a an idea about how that went for you as far as your calories and your servings and your exercise and input-output. But what did that look like and what was the catalyst for that change for you?
0: Yeah, it was all part of the entire thing. There was no, like, you know – uh, epiphany that just said oh, i'm gonna eat this and now i'm gonna be you know on my way losing weight it was just all part of the plan from the doctor initially um i was not plant-based so we we went with just like super lean proteins and a lot more vegetables and i was a kid who like i ate corn and carrots and one of those not e- is not even a vegetable <laughs> but i would call it a vegetable and um Uh, but so that, that's what we really, we really reduced portions. Um, we went from a dinner plate to a salad plate for dinner. So it looked like you had a full plate of food. So I think mentally that helped a little bit. So we, so we did that for probably about the first year and then the missing chins guys, there's just no denying that it's a healthier, better for you, sustainable diet for the rest of your life to be plant-based. And so for the last year, that's where I've been at. I'm, I'm right around about 150 pounds lost at this point.
1: Wow. How did that go with your family and friends, like making a change to plant-based? I think most of society accepts when people go low like lean protein and lots of low carbs, everyone's like on board for that. But when you say I'm no longer eating meat, eggs, dairy, people can tend to push back a little about that.
0: Yeah, it was only a little bit difficult, only from the standpoint that I was the guy that has the smoker outside and would sit out there and babysit giant chunks of meat for 12 hours to make sure it was perfect and i love to grill big steaks and all this other so when i came out with that people were like no chance you are not giving up meat that's ridiculous i'm like i'm giving up cheese and dairy and eggs and all of it i'm gonna just today this is it that's the way it's gonna be
1: that would be a lot. And I think that your story, and I've had Jeff Tritton as well uh, on the show. He was a barbecue chef. And and Josh, I remember all, the three of you now talking about the, the ways that you loved meat, like really loved meat and the cooking of meat and the, the whole thing. Uh, I find your stories so awesome to hear because I know that there are a lot of People out there listening whose dads or brothers or husbands or friends are huge meat lovers and would say, I would never, ever give up meat. And to hear you guys say you were those people and you did anyway is really, really powerful, I think, for a lot of people to hear
0: for like my wife and I I mean just like anybody you like to go out and have nice dinners and and obviously the way the world kind of went for a little while everybody kind of became their own little personal foodie so you're going to fancy restaurants and eating pork belly and all these other different things and and you're like this is amazing I had a bison steak it's so incredible blah blah blah. um and I've not looked back I've not missed it at all and and i'm like i i love animals and like all animals not just cute and furry and and to be a meat eater that was the one thing all the way along the way i was like i kind of feel bad about that i don't ever want to see those videos i still don't want to see them today um i get it i know it happens it's horrific but when you just go to the grocery store and it's wrapped up in plastic and it doesn't look like this sweet cow or this little pig you don't have that same connection. So, but, but that's, I mean, aside from being healthy, I'm so happy that I'm not just killing animals to eat them. Like nobody's killing something because I need to eat meat. I know it still happens because we're a long way of convincing everybody, but I know that I'm no longer part of that problem.
1: Yes. Yeah. And that's so, this is your one year anniversary recently. Is that right?
0: Yep. Yeah. Back in March.
1: That is such an incredible position to get to because if you heard my story, it took me from 2008. I really committed to plant-based eating until 2012. For four years, almost four years, so almost four years, until I was like, oh, the animals <laughs> like I hadn't thought <laughs> about the animals at all <laughs> up until then. I was just thinking about my own health and my multiple sclerosis and and then I was had my child and I was like, Oh, all mums like their babies like I like my baby. You know, so it's I'm amazed that a barbecue loving guy within 12 months was like, Oh, I'm so glad that I'm not hurting animals. <laughs> I I just had not made that connection.
0: But you're talking a little bit about family. I'm, I'm just blessed. My wife is pretty cool with everything. Um, and she was completely on board of me losing weight and getting healthy. Um, and along the way, which is actually kind of nice that she's like, she's not overweight. She doesn't have a problem but she 's trimmed down and is in much better shape herself now, and her mom and dad live with us as well um, uh, my father in law has got uh, a little bit of alzheimer 's so we kind of moved them in to make sure that they're good and taken care of um, and they they both have lost weight and look great um, but about back in November, my wife went plant based with me, so it took her a little while to get on board and do it but I, solidly i made her watch game changers one night and that and that was it, it was a game night. changer <laughs> yeah yeah
1: <gasps> that is incredible because that is literally only from march to November that isn't that that is a little while you know that is very tiny it's a small amount of time to go i'm gonna spend most of you know, we spend most of your you're in your you you're in your 50, 50 50?
0: yep 52
1: 52
0: just turned 51 yeah, just turned 52.
1: years eating one way, a way that the whole of society says, this is the way that you eat. You know, you eat meat, you eat eggs, you eat dairy, you eat seafood and then to go to pivot and say, I'm only going to eat plants now and to convince your partner we're only eating plants now and to take off all that conditioning of what our society tells us we need to survive and thrive. And put on a whole different hat that says we just need plants, legumes, vegetables, fruits, nuts and seeds (laughs) and grains. It's really, really incredible to do that so rapidly and to do that and stick to it for 12 months and to convince your spouse to do that, too. That's amazing.
0: It's like the missing chins always say results are typical. Like you just see these guys, they're eating plants, they exercise and they're healthy. All the, you know, if they go to the doctor and they have blood work done, it all comes back amazing. Results are typical. That's just what happens. Um, And and I think the real kicker, my wife um, is a type one diabetic, said she's like a teenager. So she wears an insulin pump, the whole deal. And her first doctor visit after being plant based for a couple of months was amazing. Like she was like, all of my levels are incredible now. This is ridiculous. Um, I mean, sugar wise, she still has to pay attention and watch it because so much affects her sugar, but like high cholesterol, not, not a problem. And she wasn't like obese. You're just, you know, an average person, but still at high cholesterol and that's all food related. You're just not eating good food and stuff like that. So I think when you are, are faced with a little bit of your own mortality and you're like, I, I, I don't even look the way you looked, and I have a problem, and it's because of the food I eat, yeah, maybe I should change, because I don't want to be that person who's like, geez, who knew she was sick? Well, you know, it's just the food was making her sick. Nobody even knew. It's not, you know, it's not like you have symptoms leading up to uh, a full-blown heart attack all the time. Sometimes they just happen.
1: Yes. I know one of the first guests on this show, and I've mentioned him, I mentioned him a lot recently. Hi, Adam Guthrie, if you're listening, but he was surfing, just surfing. He was over, he was overweight, but he was just out surfing. And then he had a full heart attack. And, and, you know, one of those things that he could have absolutely died in that moment, he was, you know, out surfing, he had to get back to the hospital. He could have he could have died, and many people do die from that one that one heart attack, and it changed his whole life. And he's been so healthy and an Iron Man and amazing ever since. And teaching everyone to be plant based, he's done so well. He's incredible. But I mean, you know, it, he could have died, and his friends would have been saying, oh, "He was just out surfing with me today," and then the next moment, he's dead from a heart attack. You know, his story just—I I often think of it because it's just such a. It could have so easily gone the other way where we're just reflecting on one more person who seems healthy enough and goes surfing and doesn't doesn't survive.
0: And sometimes it's really hard because, I mean, I watched my dad be overweight his, his entire life and get adult onset diabetes and have to take meds for that. And then have his first heart attack and then get stints put in and you know then try to eat healthy and blah, blah blah and then have the next heart attack that he didn't survive and you'd think like that would have woken me up like oh wow we like have the same genes i'm doing the same thing he did but food is powerful It is very powerful. It's a drug and it's my drug of choice. So it's hard.
1: Can I ask you, because food is hard and I would describe myself as a food addict. Definitely. And I've actually been pretty surprisingly fine, but yesterday was Easter and I was really tired and the kids were wild. And it was a real tough day. (laughs) It was a real tough day to be a food addict yesterday with some chocolate in the house. And, What I wanted to ask you was as a food addict, a recovering food addict, and I do think it always, you are in a phase of recovery because there are times when it's much more of a struggle and you're hanging on, you're white knuckling it through your cravings and your desire to eat whatever food it is. But how do you, for people who are listening who are at the beginning of their journey or have fallen off the wagon for the hundredth time, how do you, what tools do you use? with any, whatever resources you use to navigate those times when things feel harder, like COVID-19 time when the world's locked down and the future is forever changed or uncertain?
0: I think just from the beginning, I had so much drive and desire to, to not fail this time This time was going to be it. And it's funny because because of social media, I see posts from seven, eight years ago, like I'm doing it. I'm back in the gym and it didn't happen, you know. And uh, but this time, I think there was just for me personally, I just had so much drive that I didn't want to be like my parents and and die way younger than I should have. And and I just kind of I mean, personally, I just picked up this silly couple of mantras no excuses do the work and zero quit um and and i would just repeat those stupid things in my head when i'd be out walking and now running and but the food thing is still tough the exercise you can force yourself out the door the food thing is definitely tough um and, and recently um because we did this back in march um, we did the whole spud fit
1: challenge. Hi, Andrew.
0: Yeah, I, I was a guy who lost 150 pounds, but was seeing myself struggle for pretty hard where I was maybe eating stuff I shouldn't at night and other stuff like this. And uh, again, I have nobody to thank, but Matt Buckner introduced me to Andrew. And uh, so we did it. There were four of the chins that did it together. Um, and we did it for a whole month and that was an incredible eye-opener for me like you only eat potatoes that's it just potatoes for 30 days and you realize how much garbage and stuff you put in your mouth like i, I was plant-based at that point but i was still eating a bunch of vegan junk food and, and making poor choices and overeating and i i gained i I was a guy who lost 150 pounds, but I suddenly was telling people, I'm the guy who's lost 130 pounds, because <laughs> I, I, I put back 20 of
1: it. I have, um, I have totally <laughs> been there. I've been there. And it's so horrible saying, backtracking and adding numbers back on. You feel like an absolute failure. And I know after Theo I and Iggy, I had this bit where I was studying at university again, And I had kids and I was up late writing essays when they were sleeping. And you're just like, I'm going to have more peanut butter than normal. I'm going to have more of this than normal. And holy shit, I've gained 15 kilos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, peanut butter is my downfall. I didn't even realize how often I would just go for a spoonful of peanut butter like it was nothing like it was nothing
1: yeah absolutely and because maybe people show it in posts like with apple slices like you're doing this healthy choice and i would have it with apple or a banana or on a mid date and then i'd be thinking how am i fat like i've i only eat dates and peanut butter and salads but it's the peanut butter is an absolute killer
0: it's 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 a killer yeah it's and even so, we come off this SpudFit challenge. I lose twenty two pounds. I feel amazing. And then this whole COVID nineteen nonsense, and uh, that peanut butter jar is just like, "Hey, buddy, I'm over here." <laughs> so I I will I still eat a little bit of peanut butter, but not nearly as much as I was before. I have like a little bit in the morning with some overnight oats, and that's that's typically it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Smart move, smart move. I try to get my husband to move it away from me as often as possible. Sometimes he has to put it into the pantry or into his office cupboards where I can't see it because I'm like, I'm a demon. What I was going to say about the Spud Fit Challenge was, tell us a bit about your experience with it for people who haven't done the Spud Fit Challenge or haven't heard of it, but are now aware that it's eating potatoes for 30 days, 31 days. Yep. Yeah. What happens in those first few days? When is it the hardest?
0: Uh, For me personally, it was harder leading up to it. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm only going to be able to eat potatoes. This is ridiculous. Like, I like potatoes, but I don't know if I like potatoes that much that I could just eat potatoes. And then that first week or so, you're you're just all in. You're like, all right, I'm doing this. This is the way it's going to be. And my family's just like, you're ridiculous. You have problems. Because they, they were not in for that at all. Yeah, yeah. But I I have an Instapot and an air fryer. And I mean, in the beginning, you get silly creative. I was making like sweet potato waffles and all this other stuff. But about two weeks in, I'm just doing gold potatoes in the Instapot, just feed them with a little bit of hot sauce. Um, I'd go to work and just get a baked potato for lunch and nothing special, nothing fancy, and it's boring. But honestly, and, and this is uh, one of the benefits of the missing chins. It's like you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like it's boring and it's bland and it is what it is. But I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna complete this. I'm gonna finish this task. I am. I, I'm, I'm. I. I don't do anything in moderation. Like there is no moderation in my life. So I was just like, I'm all in We're just doing this. So I never really struggled. The only time I struggled is I was on a business trip in New York City. Um, and if I just could have got a hotel room with a microwave in it, I would have been fine. But that was not an option as the trip was booked by somebody else. Um, and I struggled a little bit to just find regular potatoes that weren't just sitting in a ton of butter and stuff like that. Um, but I made it work. I made it work as best that I possibly could. Yeah.
1: Can I ask? That was a rough
0: four or five days.
1: (laughs) Four or five days. (laughs) Jeez. What, what were your, like, did you have light bulb moments in those 30 days where you were like, holy cow. Yeah.
0: Obviously the peanut butter was a huge one and just snacking in general. Like, you know, it could be like, ah. I've become a morning person, but I still end up like I get up, you know, six o'clock, six thirty, without an alarm clock, no problem. And that was never me. I would sleep till 10, 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, but I still, I can stay up till 10, 30, 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night and everybody else is asleep and it's just me in the house and the fridge is like, Hey buddy, come over here come look at me and being on SpudFit, like you would go into the fridge and you wouldn't be thinking and you would open up the refrigerator and you'd be like, I can only eat potatoes. I, there's nothing in here I can eat, but potatoes, you can have a potato, have one if you want one, but do you really want a potato at 11 o'clock at night? And it was like, all right. So, so it helped me kind of curb that snacking. Um, it was just a realization
1: yeah I actually haven't done the 30 days I've done I think 10 maybe and I love potatoes it's just that I always keep thinking 30 days from with my whole family um I'm just eating this separate way of eating and is it I worry that my kids will think their mum has gone bananas (laughs) <laughs> not really much. Like they're used to me being a bit, you know, cuckoo, so they're fine.
0: My family as well.
1: It is pretty full on to do that. and I But I do think it's definitely on the cards for me. I'm looking forward to it because I know that there's so many great things to learn in that program and Andrew's created it in a way that I know, I like I trust is just going to help me knock down some of those food addiction walls that I have left. Yeah,
0: I, I am not like I am just like your typical average guy. So I, I don't know a lot about macronutrients and blah, but like, that's not me. It, it, it's never going to be me because I'm not interested in it. But I, I, I know clearly that this is healthy and this is not healthy. And, and so if, if I can be a guy who I would say is not that smart about food and still lose weight and become healthy, and do it sustainably where I feel like I could do this the rest of my life easy peasy no big deal like anybody can do it it's mental you just have to make up your mind you have to commit
1: absolutely so what would a day of food look like for you now typically
0: well today was simple today was overnight oats and banana with a little peanut butter for breakfast lunch was another banana I really kind of skipped lunch because we had an early dinner Cause, um, we had the very traditional, uh, barbecue pizza for Easter today, <laughs> <laughs> which is not traditional, <laughs> but, um, it, it was a little bit of a splurge yeah. to make our own little, uh, uh, fake barbecue meat pizza with, you know, and I put green beans on it. Who puts green beans on pizza, but that's what we did. It was a little bit of a cheat. But but typically, it's you know uh overnight oats for breakfast and, and I still eat a lot of potatoes for lunch um that's still a thing for me because it's it's simple, it's easy and, and you you feel full and it's it's not bad for you um and then just a lot of fruits and veggies
1: mm, yeah, okay, so what would be your three? biggest tips for anyone wanting to make the switch to a plant-based lifestyle you you
0: have to get to a place mentally to do it and in this day and age it's so much easier to do it like if you had to do this 20 years ago and to try to go out with friends to a restaurant and and eat plant-based is super easy to do even though it's not you may have like two or three choices where everybody else has got 80 choices, but you can still do it where before it'd be like, I'll have the salad, you know, with nothing on it. Thanks, you know? But it's, so it's, it's a lot easier to do. And I think socially it's a lot more acceptable than it used to be, but mentally you just have to be able to be like, I'm going to do this because it's important for my health. Like it's going to like, that's the biggest thing to just get over that. And then once you start doing it, it's a lot easier than you think it is. And that's, like I said, that's coming from a guy who was like, I'm grilling steaks. We're having chicken and ribs. And I'm not cheated at all with any meat whatsoever. I I might've had a little bit of chocolate a couple of times along the way. (laughs) And any other time where, I mean, I'm sure that I've been out somewhere where they've said, "Oh no, this is completely vegan," and there might have been butter in it or something. I'm like, that tastes like there's probably butter in it. But so I don't like. I'm not. I'm never going to go nuts with that stuff and freak out. I'm like, I can't believe there's butter. this. what are you doing? Blah, blah blah. I'm not allergic to it. It's not going to kill me. I know it's not something that happens often or ever. But if it does, I'm not. I'm not going to lose my mind. So be patient with yourself um, and just try to. Just try to understand you're just trying to make a life change. It can happen overnight. You can turn the switch on and go from this point forward, I'm never going to do it. But be patient. Be easy. Don't don't go overboard and make your life difficult and everybody else's life difficult.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that they're really, really great tips, actually. But it, it can be very tricky for a lot of people to get to that mental place. So hard. So, getting to that mental place can be really hard, but definitely being patient with yourself helps. If you're finding that you dip out of inspiration and motivation, just dust yourself off, forgive yourself, be gentle with yourself, as Bob said, and get back on the wagon.
0: Yeah, literally, immediately, next mm-hmm. day. Like, yeah, not next like meal. Oh, I screwed up. Yeah, exactly. Next meal. And the other thing, like, I've done just across the entire weight loss journey for me and I did it strictly for me is I literally posted everything on social media. Like every time I've ran or walked and I post a ton of meals. And if I come up with something that I think might be creative food wise, cause I still love to cook, you know, I post that stuff. And it's so that like in a year from now, like when I see it in the history or in the time hop app, I'm like, you were doing it then you better still be doing it today, you know, because it's the right thing to do. It's, it's for your health. So you live a long, like I have a pretty good life. I have a great job. I have an amazing wife. I have good kids. I have three grandkids. Like I'm I'm in a great place. I mean, things are pretty good. Like, why would you want to cut that short?
1: I think it definitely helps when you have, you know, people like loved ones that you really, really want to be alive to see grow. And I I know we had we've had so many guests in with similar story or similar stories, but one that stands out to me is Jeanette Murray Wakeland and her story about how she had she found out she had terminal breast cancer when she was holding her first grandchild and she'd been holding him for a while and she got this pain in her breast and he was sleeping on her, you know, and he was her first and she was so in love with him and they said, it's breast cancer and you have six months to live. And she was like, I am not missing out on this little boy's life. I am not missing out on it. And now I know that anyone listening, I'm not saying that everyone's cancer journey will be the same as Jeanette Murray Wakeland's, but I just loved her conviction and the way she said, you know, I'm going to do everything. And she went raw vegan and she, Just smashed it and then she went on to at 60 run 366 consecutive marathons around Australia. Wow. At age 60, and she just smashed it to say, you know, like this, she got cancer at 50, and at 60, she ran 366 marathons a day with her husband and just. Her, you know, and it was so much love for that grandchild and just wanting to see that grandchild grow in her story. And it really touched my heart to hear that that baby was her, was one of her, obviously her children and her husband and her joy for life. But she was just like, I am not, not seeing that baby grow.
0: I, I tell people this a lot. Like you were going to tell yourself and that story is a classic story like you're you want to be there for that child and and she also wanted to be there too yes
1: so so in yes, the end definitely
0: you can say you're doing it for your family or your children no you have to realize that it's so important to realize you're doing this for you too
1: yes
0: it's so it's, important
1: absolutely I, i'm certain je- je- that um. Jeanette does realize it's for herself too. But yeah, definitely. I think that we have to put our own oxygen masks on first and realize that we're worthy of a great life, a life where we feel vital and healthy and we can enjoy those times with our families that aren't marred by obesity and ill health and addiction.
0: Yep. It really is about learning to like yourself. Um, a little bit because I think I think so often like I don't care who you are in public there are just moments of self-hatred when you're overweight because it's just everything is a hassle everything like I worked at a theme park and I couldn't ride any of the rides I didn't fit so people like oh my god you must ride the rides every day and I'd be like yeah it's awesome I love them never been on them you know so I, I have now And they're amazing, you know, but everything is a hassle when you're overweight. I mean, just you get on the airplane, everybody's like, geez, that guy's going to sit next to me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, geez, you know. But not anymore. It, It feels great.
1: Yes. You're just reminding me of Tim. Tim Kaufman really went into that dark place in his episode. Just talking about that, like talking about the just drinking and the pills just to go to sleep so you could be out of this uncomfortable body for as long as possible. Obviously, he had um, Alice Danlos syndrome as well, which made his life extra extra difficult and uncomfortable and painful. But, I mean, you know, hearing his story and you just – we don't talk enough about the the discomfort of being in an obese body in our society because it's shame and it is so shameful when you're in that body. And I didn't want anyone to look at me or notice me or take a photo of me or anything, but, and I, we all put on that, you know, not, not all of it, a lot of it put on that fat and happy kind of vibe that we're, we're just cheery and sunny and inside we're just depressed and miserable and don't want to get out of bed.
0: Yeah. No, it's so true, Uh, and and it and it it snowballs because your coping mechanism is the thing that's making you unhappy. So you're not in a good place, and you have a horrible day for whatever reason, and you go home and you eat and make it worse.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. So many days, but your tool. When your tools are food and food is the cause of all of your misery, it can be really hard when you're stressed or, not, or suffering or, or any, any kind of unpleasant feeling, loneliness, everything. And right now in social isolation, you're seeing posts everywhere saying basically just throw caution to the wind and just eat whatever you want because it's miserable and scary and frightening out there. And for myself even, it's, he wrote, never binge again. What is his name? He's at the book and he has a, he talks about a squealing pig and caging a squealing pig in your mind. Oh, I know. Well, my squealing pig is very loud (laughs) at times during isolation. (laughs) Just like eat all the things. Who cares? No one's going to see you for a year.
0: (laughs) Glenn Livingston.
1: Glenn Livingston, he was on this show a long time ago. But, yeah, he wrote that book. And it's a really book that's kind of brutal for a lot of people. He's a psychologist who was a very obese man and he's plant-based as well. And he, he just called it caging the a squealing pig, which for me I didn't I didn't really love. But, I mean, but I think of it now when I think about it. Andrew talks about the lawyer. You know, I, I prefer the lawyer, you know, the person who's always got an argument saying why you should eat the food that's in in your head. And at the moment he's louder and more prominent than he has been for a while because we're in this social isolation and we're like, no, can, no one's going to see you. You can gain like five kilos and no one will even know. It'll <laughs> yeah,
0: totally be fine. Totally be fine. You, you'll, you'll lose it. You'll lose it. <laughs>
1: yeah, you'll lose it. <laughs> no. So, yes, absolutely. I think that family does help to tie back into that and to tie back into that mindset. And especially in this time, having a group like The Missing Chins who are online still and available to help you and to coach you and to support you and to help you motivate you to go on those runs. And if you don't have a community like that, I highly recommend finding one or starting one in your area, wherever you are in the world listening, because community right now is more important than ever and more difficult to come by, but also really available if you have access to the internet. So put yourself out there, be brave, and find some people to hold you accountable in this time. Because accountability is everything when the world's saying, no one's going to see you. You can gain five kilos.
0: <laughs> yeah. And and the missing chins thing, while it still is a, a private kind of guys-only club on Facebook, we realize that, that what we are kind of like little system of tough love of basically – We're going to kick you in the ass if your ass needs to be kicked to get you back where you need to be. It works for a lot of us. Clearly there's, you know, bunches of dudes in there have all lost well over a hundred pounds. And some of those guys are ultra marathoners and some of them are just runners and some of them are just walkers. But so we, we realized that it kind of did work and we've kind of started this public facing page you can find on facebook and it's out there just google missing chins facebook and you'll find it and it's it's public and we try to you know post to it once in a while and and if people post back and we started our own little podcast from it as well and we're just trying to do that and and get that information out and it's one of those things it's probably like we we do it because we care and and it works for us and, and it it, hopefully it'll work for you.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's, that's the, the thing is that if this, if one person's method of getting in there in the right headspace doesn't work for you, don't just quit, find another one. So I have lots of people on this show who are coaches, health coaches, life coaches, doctors, support groups, all different people. And don't just listen to one and say, Oh, you know, this isn't for me, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing already that wasn't working, find the next one because, you know, it might be that we have a group here called Whole Food Plant-Based Aussies and they might be the perfect group for you or there might be Forks Over Knives official group or Dr. McDougall Friends official group or it could be watching a documentary like Game Changers or it might be Forks Over Knives with T. Colin Campbell and Dr. Esselstyn just talking about the health benefits of it. Keep looking to find, because you might be a person who needs some tough love and to be told by Josh to just fucking get outside and <laughs> smash some K's and shush. Yep. Or you might be someone who needs some more gentle gentle support and some forgiveness and love and to help you through and hold your hand. Do what works for you, but don't give up because you haven't found the right person. There's tons of support people out there that can actually and want to offer you some support, so keep looking.
0: Yeah, it's like when I did all of that social media posting and still do it like it finds its way out there. Like I was in runner's world, did a thing about me. And so it it gets out there. And then just recently I was on the today show here in the United States. So it gets, and people like come back to you and like, oh my God, you're such an inspiration, blah, blah, blah. So you kind of feel like a little bit like, like I'm, and I always tell people like, I am not a doctor. I don't, this is just what worked for me. I will tell you what worked for me. I don't know if it's going to work for you, but you can certainly try it. The results are
1: typical. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But I always tell people like if if what I'm doing doesn't work, there are plenty of other things out there to keep trying. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because you're important. You matter.
1: Yes, absolutely. I love that, Bob. And I'm gonna end on that note. Don't give up because you matter, and it's really, really true. It's never been more true than it is right now. This was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Bob. It was great chatting with you and hearing your story. Thank you so much, Bob, for coming on the show. I loved hearing your story and speaking with you. Thank you all so much for listening. As I said, please head to the show notes if you want links to anything that we've mentioned in this episode. Please share Bob's episode with your family and friends on social media or in groups that you're in where people are wanting motivational stories and inspiration. These stories have never been more important to be shared and heard. Sorry if I'm <laughs> potential that I'm the wrong host for you. I don't know. As we we're talking about in this episode, you know, you can't guarantee that that this podcast is for you, but there are plenty out there. There is the Plant Proof podcast with Simon Hill. There is Rich Roll podcast. There is the Exam Room pod, podcast with Chuck Carroll. There are oh my gosh, there are so many that I blank. I'm completely blanking right now, but definitely check them out online just look up plant-based podcasts and find one that suits you if this one doesn't suit you because this isn't a one size fits all approach there are so many different experts and doctors and documentaries and resources that might suit you better than this podcast but if you like this podcast thank you <laughs> and i hope to see you next week have a great week bye
0: bags are packed are you ready to go This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other